Hello, everybody, and welcome to the uh, 2022 Skewed Cast. This is Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed. I'm joined, as always, with Justin and Michael, and we're trying really hard to get back into a little bit of a regular schedule. But as you know, we have our site at sknr.net that covers all things movies, games, television, travel, entertainment, pop culture. And we also have our radio segments on BJHA's Geek Nation on KSWFM. We'll have the uh, latest segment out tomorrow. And, uh, you know, from there, we also have our quarterly magazine, Skewed and Reviewed the Magazine. Uh, we're on Krypton Radio, or, which is sci-fi radio now. And then, of course, we also appear in uh, 12 newspapers in 20 markets in the Pinal Central. That's P-I-N-A-L central.com, keyword skewed, network of newspapers. So with that and some of the conventions coming back and then changing and going away in the crazy world, and the holidays, it has been a little crazy trying to get everybody on the same page. So we've been recording a little later in the week than we normally do. And some weeks we've had to miss shows. Uh, so we have a lot of stuff to cover in a reasonable amount of time. So I'm going to do a quick uh, catching up on a couple of things, and then we'll get into the topics of discussion. Uh, first thing I wanted to mention was a couple of video games. Uh, we had Terminator Resistance Annihilation Line, and this is a DLC for the Terminator Resistance video game. And it's quite good because you work with uh, Kyle Reese, you go into uh, various missions and it picks up uh, after the end, you've got the characters, the branching storyline where you can pick the response uh, that you have to characters or the questions and it, uh, the storyline will change from there. Uh, some of the missions are honestly are quite challenging. There, are some, there was a stealth mission that was incredibly frustratingly difficult uh, so, uh, but the weapons are good. You have conventional weapons, you have plasma weapons. It gives you a really big look into the Terminator lore as to what the resistance was like in the final days of the war. You get to see different units, not just the traditional Terminator units, but some of the other things that they have. And it's still tons of fun, uh, taking them on with a plasma weapon. So I definitely do recommend that. Another game I wanted to mention is a VR co-op survival game. I've been playing it on the PS4 VR, and it's called After the Fall. So one of the interesting things about it is that it is a co-op shooter, and you're starting to see more advancement of these. And it was uh, quite interesting. You went in there, there's the aliens, and you get to shoot up the place, and you get uh, also to work with some other flesh and blood humans, and that's really good. And I think I would love to see more stuff like this as we move into the future and bring the PSVR 2 into uh, focus more and more later in the year. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention is the brand new Hotel Transylvania film, Transform Mania. Now this one is skipping theaters. Uh, rather interesting thing, it was planned as a theatrical release. Adam Sandler is not voicing Dracula, he is not producing it, but most of the uh, cast is back, Andy Samberg, Selena Gomez, so on and so forth. And one of the odd things is there's some speculation as to why Sandler is not in it. But in this round, uh, Dracula becomes a human. And some people thought it had to do with the voice differentials, that sort of thing. Who knows? But it is quite enjoyable. It, it will be hitting Amazon uh, Prime tomorrow. For those of you who have the service, uh, they paid, rumored is we heard $200 million dollars to get it. So it will be hitting Amazon Prime. If you do uh, like those kind of things, if you like family animation, if you were a fan of the prior films in the series, 
this one is definitely for you. Definitely do not want to miss that one. Okay, guys, so uh, right as we were preparing for the show today, uh, news came down that the lawsuit between the writers of Predator and the rights holder 20th Century Fox slash Disney has been resolved. Now, there is no hardcore um, uh, announcement as to what the terms are, which is common whenever there's a settlement. I've heard various speculations that it was nothing more than a clarifications as to when the rights will revert back to the writers. Um, some people say, no, it's a separate deal where Disney has the rights outright going forward and the brothers just get essentially um, a larger share of the royalties and the payouts. And then others say, well, it's to be determined. All it did was basically punt it down the field for a few years and, uh, you know, to be revisited. So, Justin, why don't we start with you? What's your take on this? Well, it's interesting. Well, kind of like what you said, um, you know, for it's it's very common that we don't really get uh, details about settlements. Um, so un unless both parties uh, want to disclose publicly what the terms of their settlement are, but most of the time they don't. Most of the time the uh, the terms are kind of kept under wraps. And it's just kind of up to speculation. Um, going into this this whole story, though, I, I sort of thought that this was the most likely scenario. I mean, lawsuits in general pretty much uh, most of the time um, result in a settlement anyway um, or a dismissal. Like, they don't typically it's it's fair, fairly rare for things to actually make it to to trial um, just just in general. But even especially stuff like this. Um, you know, I think that's probably mostly what the the brothers were looking for anyway. Uh, was was a settlement, so um, I, it doesn't particularly surprise me a ton. I thought that this was probably the most likely scenario was some kind of settlement. Now, like you said, um, the terms of it are unknown and probably will remain unknown. Um, but I think one one thing that is kind of interesting about it is it does show that. Um, you know, Disney, Disney is willing to fight for, uh, the rights of, of this particular franchise, which, you know, you could attribute that to, uh, they're a very large corporation and a lot of corporations will, um, just by default take kind of aggressive stances, uh, in legal battles because, um, you know, a lot of them have a mentality that, if if they show any sort of weakness in, in the legal realm then um it kind of sets a precedent that could be exploited later but um another way you could look at that look at it is that you know the fact that they are willing to sort of fight for um this franchise means that they 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 have some kind of um they have some kind of stake in it uh when they purchased the rights to all of fox's properties um they had the opportunity to jettison, you know, sell off uh, the rights to any number of franchises, and the fact that they've kept uh, Predator on, and um, it, they're uh, in the final stages of actually releasing a movie uh, to streaming, kind of shows that they there is some kind of dedication to the to the franchise going forward. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. Your take, please. 
Yeah, and I I completely agree with Justin on that. I think that in it, it does show, at least to me, that Disney has some interest in pursuing um, that particular franchise going further. Now, I mean, it could simply be that they weren't going to be pushed around and, and Disney was going to throw their money at it just to win. But I, I think if there wasn't a vested interest in actually utilizing that franchise and, and, doing, and, and doing something to, to further that franchise along, I don't know that they would have put that much effort into um, the lawsuit itself. So that's, I mean, I think that's good news for Predator fans. I think it means that the um, that Disney still sees some validity in that franchise as a whole uh, and that potentially that we'll start seeing more, you know, backing as far as um, scripts go, as far as uh, streaming and uh, further movies go, and, and just a little bit more, you know, enhancement to that story as a whole. So I think uh, in general, I think this is a win for Predator fans in general. Uh, in that I think it shows that they're that, you know, as they've kind of as Disney's kind of said in the past, um, they devalue some of the franchises that they picked up. And this one's not necessarily going to go anywhere. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's very interesting because I think you also have to look at what happened with the Friday the 13th situation where that got uh, held up in court forever. It basically botched video games, it botched merchandise, it botched future films. And then what 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 did they end up with? Well, okay, you get it for the U.S., you get it for overseas, but it still didn't resolve the situation. That's, you know, existing property, but it didn't address the situation going forward, going, okay, well, if someone wants to make a new film, do they have to get the production of each other? Can this guy do it if it's a U.S.-based production? This one can do it if it's a foreign production? You know, all of that. And it it's very interesting. And I saw a couple of quotes on uh, AVP Galaxy and people uh, said some interesting stuff, like uh, one here says, I feel considering the mention of an amicable solution, it's most likely not an agreement on the deadline, but rather a financial agreement that gives the brothers, i.e. the writers, uh, royalties that they feel better reflects the values of the properties they helped to create, or at least a deadline for such an agreement to be settled. I think it's fair to say people could stop worrying about the Predator, Predator franchise getting torn apart, because remember, they already have that movie ready to go. It's being edited and getting set for a Hulu release. And there's a whole line of announced Marvel comics coming. And somebody said, you know, I think that's right because the Thomas brothers, I don't think if this was just kicking it down the field to be resolved at a later date, I don't think Disney would have gone for that. Unless, you know, unless it was one of these situations where they said, okay, well, we can get the movie out and maybe we've got three to five years to cash in on this and this gives us more time to make a settlement, but at least it stops any um, hanky-panky in the, in the meantime that would produce, that prevent us from merchandising this. But again, Disney's not a short-term company. They're a long-term company. And I don't know if they would settle if they're just to say, oh, well, in three to five years, we're going to have to revisit this. So it's interesting because... You know, it's traditionally not a Disney property, but I'm I'm very curious when the D23 Expo comes next, if it is, is still able to happen this summer, since tickets are coming up, if we're going to get any kind of promotion of that or if they would wait for something like Comic-Con to promote it. Because obviously, you've acquired the franchise. They're going to want to promote it. Another Disney acquisition has been getting a bunch of news this week, and that is the Alien TV series. First off, we heard that there's some casting underway for a young medic character 
who um, has heroic tendencies, but he's deeply troubled by the death of a family member, followed by a casting for a an individual who is essentially considered to be like a hybrid human that is essentially a perfect human being, but unbeknownst to the other character, contains the soul memory essence, call it what you will, of his departed uh, family member. And that was interesting enough and in how that, in addition to the news that we'd heard about, it would uh, involve aspects of the corporate struggles that are facing Wayland yutani with their rival competition. There would also be the subject of immortality brought up, which is something that Prometheus danced around and mankind's quest for that. And if that wasn't enough, then we get news that Weta, Peter Jackson's company, who did some of the effects work on Prometheus, are going to be doing the effects work on this, and that apparently production can begin in just a couple of months. So, Michael, what do you think? I like to take, honestly, where we're going to see more about the corporation, uh, the Wayland yutani Corporation in general. Because, um, yeah, most of the Alien movies have always been kind of focused on we, we know of the corporation. We know that they, um, you know, send out folks to, to do various uh, nefarious things and, and uh, also are kind of in a lot of different aspects of things, colonization for one and, uh, uh, you know, planet, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But anyways, I like the idea that we're going to see a bit more to that backstory that's kind of been missing, I think, in all the other movies that we've seen. Uh, obviously, you know, getting to see... Um, the alien uh, species and, and get more about that as well. Uh, of course, that's always the interesting part. But I, I think kind of the take that there's going to be a an overall world building of, of how the old how the old world kind of operates and comes together. I think that's a pretty interesting take, and I'm actually really excited about it. And Justin, your take, please. Yeah, it's interesting. So I, I've been kind of mixed and back and forth on this whole project for a little while just because you know i i like josh um or not josh uh noah holly's uh work um the uh um fargo tv show is one of my favorites uh the last like uh i mean it's getting older now but um i like the last 10 years when it phenomenal uh all three seasons were were really good um so and from what i saw of legion as well also really stellar show so when when it was announced that he was you know tackling something in the alien franchise it's you know, beloved to me i was i was very excited i my excitement was uh dampened quite a lot when he he announced that it, it was going to take place on earth um that made me very uh concerned for a number of reasons but um but uh i'm still you know tepidly excited and kind of hearing um you know a little bit more about the approach i'm actually kind of hoping that they don't really even tackle the alien stuff um I i've said for a long time that um i think that the one thing that the alien franchise could really use more of is stuff that explores the universe um but maybe not necessarily have the alien in it or if you're going to have the alien in it do it do it sometime later uh, my main concern about setting it on earth and then having that sort of obligation that the xenomorph show up at some point which i know as a 
you know, huge Alien fan, it's kind of sacrilegious to say that there should be a an Alien movie or TV show without the Alien in it. But, um, you know, the whole point of those movies was trying to prevent the Alien from getting to Earth. And it always rubbed me the wrong way when stories, um, you know, either through Expanded Universe or the Alien vs. Predator movies, where the aliens had just always been here. And so it just, it made um, Ripley's whole quest to prevent them from getting to Earth just uh, pointless, basically. So um, I'm, that that does concern me a little bit, but I, I, I think like if they treat it kind of like a slow burn and really, you know, use a first season to kind of ease us into the universe um, and don't really even address the subject of the alien, I think there's a lot of interesting topics they can explore and it actually is probably a little bit liberating that they uh, you know if they approach it that way where they're not obligated to have the alien and maybe in the first season um, they can kind of explore all these other subjects that I think are topics that I think could be really interesting um, like this idea of what other corporations like what kind of technology they're up to it's kind of seems like they will be tackling kind of a uh, you know, similar ideas, like kind of other science fiction franchises like Altered Carbon, where, you know, consciousness is transferred into a different body of some sort. Um, and I think that's that's really interesting. Um, you know, I think that the universe is, is very large and there's a lot of space there to explore. So that, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. I just hope that they I, I just know that there's always going to be that pressure, you know, from. Uh, from audiences and viewers and then you know obviously executives that uh, the alien's gonna have to show up in the alien show I mean it's 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 a show that's set in the alien franchise so of course it has to show up but I think you know the best approach would be spend a, spend maybe a season or two building up to it and then you know do it do it later like that way uh, there's kind of like a, a slow burn to it I think it's going to be very interesting because I don't think it's going to be entirely set on Earth. I think it may be focused on Earth, but, you know, this is a space-faring multinational company with colonies all over the known galaxy. So I think that's going to be addressed. We've already heard that this is the first time Weta will be doing a the alien creature, but it it's rather interesting because, as I mentioned, they did some work on Prometheus. Now, a lot of people don't know, but the cut version of Fifield in his mutation form, not the one they used in the film, the one that's on the Blu-ray, which, let's be honest, looks more like an alien, was the one that Weta did. And I also found out that they do, this is a known thing, um, they do a line of collectibles, and they have done a number of alien and predator display pieces for micro-epics lines, so... It's not like this company is not very familiar with the universe. It is not like they are not very uh, familiar with working, you know, with the studio. So it'll be interesting to see. Yes, definitely own studio. Uh, but supposedly production's going to be ramping up soon. And, you know, we uh, have to remember there are several Alien versus Predator and Alien novels that are set to be coming out in the next few months as well. So looks like there is going to be a lot of interesting things. Now, um, I mentioned collectible figures, and we got news this week that Toy Fair uh, has been canceled and from their plan of an in-person show due to the ongoing uh, coronavirus wave. And it's um, rather sad because the news that we heard was that there was about 700 companies that were really 
anxious to go ahead with the show. But unfortunately, there were several companies that just, um, you know, couldn't commit to it and were very uncertain. And the concern was if they pulled out, others would follow suit. I mean, obviously, we had a, a real time. No, none of our people who've covered in the past wanted to go anywhere near it. And so, you know, that that's kind of back to square one in terms of conventions. We've already had E3 pull the plug on their summer show. But, you know, things that we've heard recently is that the PAX East show is still planned to go on. Various regional cons are going to go on. Uh, you know, I mentioned the D23 Expo. Admittedly, these aren't until later summer. They're putting tickets on sale soon. And at last we heard WonderCon and Comic-Con are still planning to go ahead. But again, you know, probably with much stricter protocols and so on. I went to a show recently at the Consumer Electronics Show, and it was extremely sparsely attended, uh, not just by people, but by exhibitors. We normally have a much, much, much larger show. We'd been told by the convention just a couple days ahead of time that uh, there would still be a large number of companies, and that wasn't the case. There was, you know, booths that looked like they were started and then abandoned. There were some that were nothing more than just a sign with QR codes, uh, no presence. And then some of the booths that were there didn't have any um, tours unless you were approved ahead of time. You couldn't just walk up and look around. So it will be interesting to see what the next couple of months uh, have in that regard. Now, one of the things that came out of the show that I wanted to wrap up our show on this week is that the other day, Sony announced that due to issues meeting the demands for the PlayStation 5 unit, they are going to be producing more PS4 units. And this kind of puzzled a lot of people because the mentality is, why are you tying up resources to make a console that A, doesn't have seemingly the demand anymore, and B, new and used versions of the console are readily available right now. I don't know too many people that could have an issue getting to them. This gets further complicated by a couple of days later, Microsoft came out and said, we're stopping all production on the Xbox One, and we are devoting our full time and resources to making Xbox X, Series X and Series S to meet demand. Michael, what do you make of this? Yeah, so uh, does not sound too snarky, but I'm honestly surprised that they're still making the PlayStation 4s. Um, and again, not to not because um, that there aren't still folks who don't have them, but I think most people nowadays that have one have one that want one have one. For first of all, and anybody who is looking to do a buy a new console was not going to invest in an older generation console to buy a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox. Um, one for that matter so i, I don't I, I have not heard of a demand for ps4 that's not met uh and again i don't know if that's just because i haven't been in the market for one because uh, again i have two ps4s i have a ps4 a normal one and a ps4 pro um that i got you know close to release when they came out so it's not as though i've been in the market for a ps4 but th the reality is i've never uh, you know I, I at this point i think uh, if you're gonna, if you want a PlayStation 4, you probably already have one. If you're looking just for a console to play games on and don't have a console already, I would be hesitant to spend money on a last-gen console new when you could likely get one on the used market fairly 
inexpensively compared to what they'll be selling new. Um, I just, I just honestly don't know that there's a demand for PS4s. Uh, I would, because you know, I, I do understand that PS5s are still hard to come by, um, and Xbox for that matter as well. Um, I do know that, um, you know, with scalpers and everything, that makes it more difficult for sure. But I, I don't think it makes any sense to ramp up production on an old gen hardware that that realistically everybody is is selling on eBay or OfferUp or Facebook Marketplace to pay for their new PS5 that they probably had to pay over MSRP for. So I, I don't understand the logic in that at all. I don't know. Again, maybe there's a, a, a demand for PS4s out there that I'm not aware of. Um, again, we're talking about a, a system that's, what, five, six years old at this point. Um, I'm not saying that you still can't get quality games for the PS4. Obviously, they're still releasing PS4 versions of PS5 games, um, but I, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I, again, I understand that the, the ship, the the chip shortage. I understand there is a, a difficulty in, in meeting demands. I, I think we've all kind of, you know, been in this struggle now for the past year or two years based on uh, video cards and and consoles and the like. But I, I just, I, again, I can't imagine anybody going out and paying for a new ps4 when there are likely thousands of gently used ps4s on the open market that are for you know for sale used um that people are trying to you know get money for to buy for their pay for their new ps5 so yeah that's mind-boggling i i don't know what that ramp up means i don't know if that means they're seeing you know people are asking for ps4s just because they want a playstation um, and they can't get anything uh, or maybe there's new console gamers that don't have any consoles at all and they want something but i just i just don't know that the market is is asking for that yeah it's really odd like my son for example he went out and picked up a ps4 the other day for the granddaughter and him to play and but i i you know the impression i got was he picked up a used one and picked up a few games used and i wonder if there's some kind of news coming down because it, traditionally, there's a one-year carryover, but I wonder if it's a situation where certain gaming companies have said, okay, look, we're just essentially going to release a PS4 version of the games in the next year, wink, wink, with a patch either to be available or to come that for a PS5 owner will, you know, upgrade it to take advantage of the new features and stuff like that. Who knows? But, you know, I, I, I'm boggled. I was looking at it going... Okay, maybe if you were doing something like say, hey, we got a Dying Light 2 themed console coming, or we've got it in these unusual colors, so you could say, oh, collectors will jump on it, but who knows? Justin, wrap it up for us. What do you make of this? Yeah, I think you guys are 100% right. So it kind of baffles me too, just because, you know, and I, I'm. I'm just going out on a limb like I, I'm not an expert on this. Obviously, there, there's probably all sorts of uh, complicated supply chain uh, things that go into these decisions. But um, I would think like if you have, you know, the, the capacity to kind of ramp up production somewhere else that you would do everything in your power to ramp up productions of, of PlayStation 5s. Now, again, there's probably like a specific chip that they can't produce um, or that they're struggling to get um, to, uh, to keep up with demand. For the PlayStation 5 and there's probably you know not the same um 
limitation for for the PlayStation 4, so they're probably able to ramp up production on PlayStation 4 more easily. Um, but still, you know, the demand, like you guys really well pointed out, the the demand for the PlayStation 4 is just is just not there. I'm not seeing it unless there's something that I don't know about. Um, PlayStation 4s just seem readily available um, and that the used market for them is, is pretty strong, it seems like. So there, it just does not seem like there is, uh, there's that same demand there. Um, that being said, you know, there's, there's probably pressure from within the company to do something just, just to, just to meet demand in general, um, uh, that they, that some sort of action has to be taken. So that, that's probably a, a good bit of it. Um, you know, I think yeah. to, to Sony, it, it's probably more beneficial for them to sell a new PlayStation 4 than, you know, than to have somebody buy a used one. So that they're probably just trying to get some kind of action in there in general, um, just to keep up with, with uh, their lack of being able to supply uh, PlayStation 5s. I took a quick look on eBay and you can see a PlayStation 4 500 gigabyte console at about 200 bucks or best offer. Now there are some people that are trying to get 389 or 319, but I'm seeing plenty of pre-owned ones, 200, 221, um, 220, $138 with controller and games, you know, $249. And sure, you see some people that are trying to get you know, three, $400, but there are plenty of them in the $200 range, many of them uh, with, you know, several games and controllers and stuff like that. And so, you, you know, like you said, that doesn't seem to add up because what do most people do when the new console comes out? If you can get a hold of it, you sell off your old ones. I mean, there's a lot of people that do that to essentially help fund the new console and when you had a new system come out that is for all intents and purposes backwards compatible with the ps4 games there was even less incentive for some people to hold on to their ps4 system so who knows who knows uh one thing i did want to wrap up with really quick i forgot to mention this and you know again we're hoping the world is a better place that allows us to go on but we got notice of a show called WinterCon that's taking place March 12th through 13th in New York City. And uh, one of the reasons I, I bring it up is that with um, our discussion of Alien, they're having an Aliens Colonial Marines reunion. They're gonna have Michael Bean, Jeanette Goldstein, William Hope, who played uh, Lieutenant Gorman, Mike Rolston, who played Drake, and Rico Ross um, scheduled to appear. So I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, since we've been talking a bit about hardware, I did want to mention one thing that we got from CES. This was a company that um, was scheduled to be there, but didn't do in-person sh uh, shows. So they sent out some media kits and it was quite interesting. I, I had one show us these shoes that I'm going to be trying out, but this is pretty cool guys. It's from a company called Monster and no, not the energy drink. And they make a Vertex line, uh, XL and other, of surge protectors. And they come in various configurations. There's some that can do um, you know, more plugs than others. But to give you a standard idea that you have some of these units that are high-end surge protectors, they run about $99 to $119, but the cable is braided and very thick. You can also affix it to a wall because it comes equipped with a magnetic wall mount. But one of the interesting things about it is that it has a uh, 
cable connected USB hub. So for example, we have the power strip on the floor powering the computers, but you can put the cable and put this USB hub up on your desk and plug your cell phones or USB devices directly into that. And uh, you know we've had power strips where they have them on the floor next to the plugs, but you don't have to bend down and put your phone on the floor or something like that. So I thought that was really cool and uh, you know something to check out. Well, guys, thank you so much. I think we've covered everything, and we'll be back next week. Uh, for those of you that are off on Monday for the holiday, enjoy it, take care, and we'll talk to you soon.